y'all about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Thanks for tuning in to the Steve Day Show podcast powered by CRTV here on iHeart, iTunes, and Stitcher. And more big news about the Steve Dace Show podcast to come. We're very excited about so stay tuned for that in the coming days as well. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. D-E-A-C-E is how you can spell our last name. You can spell it any way you want, but you won't be able to email me unless you spell it correctly. But I understand... You want a non-determined last name, right? You want to be able to declare your definitions, your titles, your genetics. So you can declare my last name as whatever you want. However, if you don't spell it correctly, what you want to say to me, I will not receive. You can also follow me on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Like us on Facebook as well. Todd and Aaron are here along for the ride later in our podcast. We'll give you a little preview of what we discussed today on the television show, which we just wrapped up taping for later today at CRTV.com. Don't forget you can uh, get access to that at CRTV.com. Use my name as a promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E. Get a reduced subscription, not just to our show, but the great one, Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, the entire team here at CRTV. We have a free trial. So if you decide to cancel during that period because you think we all are just terrible, uh, Mikey tried the cereal and he didn't like it, you can move on. We won't charge you anything at all. There are monthly subscription options too. So CRTV.com, promo code DACE. It is an epidemic in our culture. It's something I have experience with myself, as do many other men and younger men and boys of this era. And it is fatherlessness. Ed Tandy McGlasson is our guest. He's a former football player. And this is a topic very close to his heart. In fact, he's got a series of videos uh, where he discusses the blessings of the father for families and we want to welcome him to the steve day show podcast here today ed how are you hey it's great to be here today first of all tell us about your football career ed because i am i I am a football fanatic when i grow up i either want to be (laughs) mel kiper jr or chris the bear felica total nerds who were not good enough to play but turn their love of the game into a cottage industry that made them some money so tell us about your playing career Uh, well hey if you want to be a football player you have to have titanium in your body at 60 years old (laughs) so just think about that (laughs) i um i got to play five years in the national football league um It was a real blessing. Um, uh, Played for the New York Jets my rookie year, New York Giants, Los Angeles Rams, and went to training camp with the Eagles my fifth year. And uh, God ruined my perfect story and called me into the ministry. Mm. (laughs) But I love love playing. I love those moments. And, uh, um, you know, the big influencer in my life when I was a kid growing up with this guy by the name of Roger Stahlback. Mm-hmm. And uh, that dates me, but just incredible uh, human being. Matter of fact, he was the um, peewee football coach. I volunteered while he was at the Naval Academy, and he was a head coach of our team. And I was his quarterback, Steve. Really? And in uh, matter of fact, the very first play of our first, it was flag football uh, back then for peewee, and the very first play 
um, out of the gate. I scored an 85-yard touchdown. Hmm. And I thought I was, I was pretty impressive and went back to the sideline. He had his arms crossed. He looked over at me. And he said, uh, hey, there, Eddie Mack. He said, uh, we don't tie our flags in a knot so no one can pull them out. <laughs> nice. Go turn yourself in I, to the referee. <laughs> I like this story because I coach my son's youth flag football team. And, and every week, one of these kids has come up to me, Ed, trying to come up with some way to, to, to misplace their flag to game the system. They've got one kid came up to me with the idea of putting, his, putting both of his flags on the very front of his flag belt. And my son looked at him, and, and so he had both of his flags hovering around his uh, manly part. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Flanking them on each side. And my son walked up to him and said, Hey, brother, do you really want the other kids grabbing at that for for four quarters on Saturday? You know, but they're they're always looking for an edge. You know, I was looking at your football bio. It looks like, correct me if I'm wrong on the timeline here, but if you went to the Jets in 79, did you just miss Lou Holtz? Yes, I did. You went to the Rams in 1980. You just missed a Super Bowl team, right? Missed a Super. I was one step away from a ring on three teams. So, so you went to the Giants in '81. You just missed Bill Parcells. Well, Bill was our defensive coordinator back then, so I know Bill. And Bill Belichick was our special teams coach. So here's what you need to know: if if you want to know, is your team about to be great? or about to spectacularly fail as the Jets did with Lou Holtz. If you know yeah. your team is about to do something spectacularly bad or good, find out if Ed McGlasson was on their team the year before. <laughs> and that means something tremendous is going to happen the very next year, Ed. You're like, a, you're like a beacon. next year. Yeah, I didn't get that big rock on my finger. But you know what? I got to play in the big show. We have... Um, we have a show happening right now in our culture with what's happening with fathers and fatherlessness. And, yeah. and just to give you a little bit of my background, I, um, my mom found out she was pregnant with me in Christmas of 1972. She was a freshman in high school and she got pregnant by her high school senior boyfriend and was scared, didn't know what to do. Roe versus Wade happened about a month later. Um, Suddenly, she had a choice to make. She decided to have me and gave birth to me in July uh, of 73 when she was 15 years old. So I was born to a single mom. Uh, My biological, um, you know, was a teenage boy. He actually wanted to step up, but his dad was a big, powerful judge and didn't want what he viewed as white trash marrying into his family. So we were on our own. My Mm. mom met a guy when I was uh, two and a half years old um, that was on shore leave in the Navy uh, because we were in uh, uh, California at the time. uh, And they got married after a month or two. And that's where my last name, Dace, comes from. He raised me, but he came from a very abusive background. His father was a drunk and abusive to him, and so he modeled mm-hmm. a lot of that behavior to us. And And I, I think that my story, sadly, is not unique in our culture. And, you know, how I came to faith, Ed, is I was at a Promise Keepers on September 18, 2003, in Kansas City, Missouri. And a guy, <laughs> named, a guy named Joe White was the very first speaker. And he ends oh, up wow. he ends up giving a talk about the damage that fathers do when they abandon their sons or they don't raise them to be men. And then he took an altar call. And that moment is, you know, I thought I was in an arena of 12,000 people. I thought he was talking directly to me. I mean, that right. th- that moment changed my entire life and um, helped beginning to the, helped to begin to heal the wound that had really been there my entire life. Uh, if no one really ever affirmed me 
that I could be a leader, that I could be a man, that I could be a husband, that I could be what God made me to be. I could do something great beyond just acquire stuff and have sex with women. I could do something else that was meaningful in my life. And I, I just know my story is not unique because I've met a ton of men in my age group and, and various age groups who have very similar stories with what's happened to fatherhood in the home. I mean, Ed, before he died, I interviewed Chuck Colson. And mm. and and I and I asked him about his work in prison fellowship and what was one of the some of the some of the things he learned through the course of his ministerial career and one of the things he said to me was if you go to any maximum security prison in America regardless of the race the creed the ethnicity of 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 the men that are in maximum security ask them one simple question where is your dad and the answer right. is they don't know or he's in prison too almost across the board that's right. You know, God's put this incredible gift inside of every father that most dads just don't understand. They're like, a dad is like in a home, he's like the frame of a house. And so you know, how, how however big that home is and what the edges are, that's what that dad provides his support. A mom's the artwork and she's the beauty in the house. She's a relationship builder. God's put in mothers this incredible ability. I mean, I just... What a, what a praise report about your mom who said, I'm going to have a son. And now here you are. You're a mouthpiece uh, for God's purposes in a, in a crazy time that God knew before you were even born. And yet in fathers, God's put this incredible gift inside of us. When we speak life into our kids, it, it kind of sets the level of how they see themselves. Hmm. It's like this identity piece. And your story, by the way, is so is very similar to mine. And I talk about in, in my new series, uh, The Blessing of the Father for Families. It's a 20-year work. Um, we when I f- wrote my first book, um, the difference a father makes. I had no idea that we were going to sell a quarter of a million copies. Wow. That I was touching a wound, and then I discovered this verse in Lamentations five three, Steve, that says this, and this is the song and the ache in our culture today. It's behind much of the the political stuff and with the kids on the street, with uh, National League football players right now, the Antifa movement, which I call the anti-father movement, you know? Mm -hmm. They're just rebelling against anything that represents structure because they've never had, a lot of them never had any structure in their life. But here's the verse. Orphans we are, not a father in sight, and our mothers are no better than widows. That's the ache in our culture. And yet God's got this plan. See, God's always had the same plan, Steve, for guys like you and I. Because I have a very similar story to yours. My my dad was a test pilot in the Navy. And uh, he had to make a life and death choice Why I was still in the womb. Eight months, and I, was a, I took up all my mom's space. <laughs> I was a big baby. And um, he had to make a life and death choice at 400 miles an hour to bail out uh, of his jet as he was testing it over Monterey Bay or to ride it into the sea. And because it was Memorial Day weekend and May 29th, 1956, my dad grabbed a microphone and said over uh, to the conning tower, this is November Papa, 88, taking it in. Because he knew that if he would have bailed out, his plane might have gone into pedestrians on the beach. Hmm. And my dad was taken, you know, about a month before I was born. So I was born without a dad in my story. 
My stepfather, you know, tried to be a good dad, but he struggled in his life because his dad, his dad figured out he was afraid that one day of swimming in the water that he might drown. And so at 11, 12 years old, his father, a Cajun daddy, took him to a bridge over a bayou in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and grabbed him out of the truck and threw him into the river and told him, I'm not going to have a boy in my family who's scared of anything. Mm. And that frames something for him in his own stories. And, and see, God's put that inside of every dad. He's, he's put this, this responsibility. Your dad, and you know, you know, he chickened out. He backed away from the gift that God gave him. And so many dads just don't know what to do. And so many moms are stuck trying to raise families today. And, you know, th that's the dilemma that we have in our culture right now. My stepdad used to say to me when I was growing up, Ed, he used to say, you will, you may not love me, but you will respect me. Yeah. As, as if we could have one of those without the other. And then I, I, I didn't really understand that. Um, and when I got older and after I got converted and I start studying God's word and, and I notice the juxtaposition presented between love and respect in the New Testament, mm -hmm. how... It's sort of a chicken and the egg argument. You can't have one without the other, and yet you can't have the other without one. And so essentially both sides of that complementarian relationship have to take the initiative to provide that for the other for it to act for the other side to get what they need from the other part of the marriage and in the relationship. And I realized as I studied this and I went back to my childhood and hearing that from my stepdad so often, I realized that what he believed what he what he defined as respect, he conflated with the term fear. And, and, right. and not fear like the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the, the reverential no. fear that one day I will give an account for my life and I better not have wasted it. That's not what we, the, the, the cowering fear, the, the, the fear of an authoritarian, um, the, the, not the fear of a suffering servant who lays down his life for me. So I better not, I better not spoil that which was given to me at a high price, but the, the fear of a strap. And yeah. where do you think he learned that? Yeah, he learned it from his dad. You're exactly right. And I realized as, that I had I had done up until this point in my own life, I had done the exact same thing. I thought yeah. intimidation was respect. The fact that I could intimidate people meant they respected me. No, it just means I can intimidate people. Yeah, and see we're, we're at, and see this is one of the dilemmas for men. You know, we had our last president who said, "Hey, just man it up and be a man." Well, the truth is, is that a manhood is something you've got to receive from God. We've been made to be blessed by him. And when our dads don't model that in our life, it leaves a wound behind. Whether you're a daughter or a son, many times daughters without a dad who are present in her life. You know, she'll be, I was with a gal yesterday at a radio show I did. Um, we did the Laura Ingram show. And, uh, and she, she looked at me and told me she'd been married four times. And that I said, well, let me ask you, did you, what was your relationship with your dad like? She said, well, you know, he was a brutal guy. And I said, well, how many, how many of the guys that you chose to marry were you trying to change to maybe be the father you never had? And she said, all of them. Hmm. See, for a daughter without a dad in her story, she's left with this ache. That's why so many girls think that they can love a bad boy into a good boy. And then they, they live in, in forever counseling 
uh, in their life. And a, and a guy, when he doesn't have that that missing piece of identity, where a dad looks at you and and he and he says, "Well, this is what I love about you, Steve." Th- th- those markers in your life are they determine. It's kind of like if life was a basketball game and. And uh, we went into a gym one day, and there were two backboards, but there was no hoop, right? There was mm-hmm. no net. How would those kids score in that game? Well, they couldn't score. They'd probably make up a game. Well, I get 10 ricochets, and you got 11. But that hoop is the words of a father over life of a son. It, it, it determines, well, this is how you score in life. And when that dad's present, and he's saying, Steve, boy, I see these things in you. I love the way you've been designed your life, and I want to celebrate that. You could just see your kid's chest just kind of stick out when a dad shows up. When a dad shows up to a, a baseball game or a recital, dads, if you if you're listening, if you notice that your your sons and your daughters, I mean, they'll look over you with a smile, and it's like there's a whole new day. I remember when I was starting to learn this as a young dad, uh, Lucas, my favorite middle son. I have five children. My favorite oldest, favorite oldest daughter, favorite middle daughter, <laughs> favorite young middle son, and favorite youngest son. And and Lucas went, and I was a little late getting to the game, and I showed up, and he was there, and he strikes out. And he goes back to the bench, and he's sitting on the, on the, on the seat there in the dugout, and he's crying, and he's got his arms folded, and he's got a big lower lip. And I walked over to him and I said, look, as he goes, we struck out. And I said, come here, man, son. Are you ready? He goes, what? I'm going to lay hands on you right now, son. And these words that come out of my mouth are going to come true in your life. And the spirit of God's going to fall on you right now. And you're going to go up there the next time. You're going to swing with all your might. And you're going to hit the ball and knock it off the center field fence. It's almost going to be a home run. And so I prayed for him. He went up next time. Guess what happened? He hit the first pitch, ran around. He was so surprised he hit it, almost forgot to run. He went to first base. He went to second base, and he standing on second base, started jumping up and down, and he was looking right at me. See, God's made us in a way, Steve, that when the Father looks at us, it changes our story. That's why I wrote The Blessing of the Father for Families. A video, six-part video series, and and the books that I've done, and really, and why I've I've stepped, I've been a full-time pastor for thirty-some years, and now just focusing all of my time on speaking to this issue in our culture, because we have more than fifty-one percent of the kids in our country, according to David Blankenhorn, fifty-one percent in our, our kids in our country don't have a dad in their story. Hmm. It's devastating. How about the dads who are there that are so preoccupied trying to find out who they are that they spend all their time at work or on their projects or on their toys and their kids are there in that house going, Dad, who am I? Do I have what it takes? And that's one of the things that Jesus came to bring us because he he came to change not only our story and the broken part of us that's broken, the encounter you had with Promise Keepers. What a powerful moment. Um, that you know, promise keepers was just a, a, just a, an act of the Lord, you know, upon men. Because see, here's God's plan, Steve. Every time culture gets crazy the way it is, He's got a two-step plan. It's right in the last couple of verses of the Old Testament, and He says, "Before the great and coming day of the Lord, 
God says this, I will turn the hearts of fathers back to children. Steve, I am watching this all over the world. I am watching God do something that's so profound and and so finishing in the life of culture that he is calling men out just like you to be more than having a, a talk show or a podcaster or a television show, but to be a father. More than even a father to just your kids. Uh, the greatest use of a man's life is when he di- he discovers that he can father and influence a culture and the kids around who don't have dads. And he's calling these fathers out. The second part of that verse is, is that the promise is, and then I'll turn the heart of the children back to the father. I believe we're going to see this restoration of this lost millennial generation. They've left home, they left church, they've just sort of jumped into culture and jumped into technology thinking that will save their life and never discovered Jesus for themselves. But many of them leave the church because the wounds they have with their own dad. And I've, you know, I'm kind of in this place in my own story where God had to do a miracle uh, in my own story, Steve, uh, to bring me into this place to do this ministry. Final question, Ed. If there is somebody listening right now and they're about to be a dad or they're already one and their story is like the one you imparted or I did and as too many men with this story in our culture today and they're like, I, I don't, first of all, I always tell guys, you're, you, you, let's just get this out of the way now. You're not ready to be a dad and there's never enough money. I can promise you. I don't care how trained you are, I don't care how much money you make, you're not ready and there's never enough money. So go ahead and let go of those two worries right now because that's called the state of being of a parent, period. That's always true. But if 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 there where do I go? What what are the first steps I take into I want to be I want to be the dad where the future generations look back and say this is where the line in the sand was drawn. This is where the destiny of, of our family, our legacy, the path diverted, it started here. What advice would you give them in terms of first steps to, to, to be that change agent? Well, number one, I'm just going to say to every guy, it's never too late to be a great dad. It's never too late. Because what God's put inside of you, your kids need, whether they're grown, whether they're angry, whether they're separated from you, or they're already got their families of their own, it is never too late for you to learn these things. I mean, that's the the material that I talk about in the Blessing of the Father for Families is a six-part, six steps that you do in the life of of your family. And and the truth of the matter is, um, it was Jesus, when he walked in my story in college, that changed the whole trajectory of my life. Just like you, I I got to stand up with an ice bag on my knee, Steve, in Kilcally Dormitory. I was a football player that wanted to play in the NFL. I blew my knee out. They told me I wouldn't play again. And a guy read a verse, came into my room, a campus minister, and he read one verse to me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son that whoever would believe in him would not have perished, but have everlasting life. And I'd never heard the Bible before, Steve. Maybe you're a guy who, you're not, you don't go to church, you think that's your wife's thing. It's not very manly to go. I gotta tell you, it's the only place real men meet in your community. 
And he looked at me and he said, Ed, would you like to be forgiven? And I said, how's that work? He said, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, he died as so he were you. He took all the sin that you did in your life or all the sin you would ever do. He took it on him. So he died as so he were you. So that when you receive what he did, you can now live as though you were him. And he'll transfer into you everything that you need. It's called grace. To be the man, to be the father, to be the husband, to be the right kind of boyfriend, to be the worker, to be the shop owner, to be the businessman, to be the radio talk host that you need to be. That's his promise. And I, and I, I just, when I heard that word, that he loved me, it opened my heart. Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so I said, okay. And I prayed with him. It's the first time I'd ever prayed with anybody. And uh, the doctors gave me a really negative report. And so I was like, but what have I got to lose? And as soon as I prayed, I felt just the, the washing over of, of the spirit of God in my life. And then he looked at me and he said, Ed, would you... Would, can I pray for your knee? And I said, sure. And he put his hand on my ice bag and, and prayed a simple prayer. And then he was gone. And he left my room that night. And uh, I, I got to tell you, I had this peace that I'd never had before because Jesus came in my life. And the next day when they rolled me into surgery, the doctor comes out shaking his head after he does another set of tests. And he goes, Ed, I'm not sure exactly what happened here, but here's the x-rays we did yesterday of where your cartilage was torn and, and your, 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 your ligaments were torn. Somehow they've been reattached. And Steve, I mean, I was, my mind was blown. Hmm. The God, you know, who, you know, that I used to see on churches on a cross, this guy named Jesus was alive. And he walked into room 603 and killed Tolly Dormitory and gave me a new beginning. And you might be listening today online. And you've just never given in. Maybe you've gone to church. Maybe you've got a broken family. Maybe you feel like this is over for me. Why don't you pray with me right now? And just you can pray this out loud. And, and if you mean it, God will hear you say, God, I give you my broken story. I give you my family. I give you my relationship with the girls or the wife of my life, and, and I ask you, God, to forgive me for all the things that I've done that have hurt all these people. And I ask you, Lord, to give me a new family. I ask you, Lord, to make me the man, to make me the husband, to make me the leader, and to make me the father that my kids really need me to be. And if you're a gal and you're in that place, pray that same prayer. And the Jesus who met me in Kilcully Dormitory, who met Steve at an altar call, it promise keepers will meet you right now and give you a new beginning. In Jesus' name, amen. That is very well said, my friend. How can people learn more about this series and, and see an episode and, and see if it's something they want to invest in? Uh, go to blessingofthefather.com. Um, you know, you can sign up. We have a, I have a free devotional that I've written that's called Time with My Father. What would it be like to have a quiet time like Jesus did when he read the Bible? 
And so that's you just free. You can find out about us. And we have a store there online. And we just love um, to serve you. And we even priced it so that everybody can get it. And so um, it's just be an honor to serve you. And uh, if God can turn my family around, he can definitely turn yours around. Ed Tandy McGlasson, Ed, it has been an honor having you with us, brother. God bless you. We'll do it again sometime, okay? Let's do it, Steve. Blessings to you, buddy. All right, take care. Some quick thoughts on what we just heard from Ed McGlasson. Todd, what do you think? Steve, I want to go back to something you actually said on uh, the TV show, you know, lamenting the last 10 years, you, you, your own, your individual uh, search for truth and how that's uh, played out uh, both within your church, within your profession. And you sit there and you wonder, what was it all, what was the point of all that? What was it all worth? And we've shared this uh, privately. We talked about it on the show public. I have the exact same thoughts and feelings. And you know when they go away? when I remember I'm a dad. Hmm. I'm more certain of ever of the providence of God Almighty in my life than I know my duties to my wife and my four girls. Hmm. As uh, un uh, unmarried guy listening to these conversations, and I've had this thought before, and, and God can use anyone in any way. I mean, you, you obviously, I mean, you look at this, the story of Daniel in the Old Testament, um, and that's you know that's the quintessential story of God being able to use anybody in any situation in any culture. Um, but the more I've thought about it in this particular culture in American culture right now, um, I, I if it's God's will, I can't really wait to have kids. And the fact that I'm I'm saying that as a as, you know an unmarried dude. Uh, maybe I'm in over my head a little bit. Maybe I should walk it, walk that back a little bit. But it's for that reason that that is parent, parenting and fatherhood. That is a mission field where mm-hmm. you can make immense gains in a culture for for Christ. And it's and it's not just for winning a culture back. We've had this. I've given this disclaimer about revival before. But look at what you can do. Look at the opportunity that you have to mold and shape another human being, another life, in order that they can go and do the same thing with maybe more people than, than you have the opportunity to do. Mm-hmm. That's why I look for That's one of the reasons I look forward to it. I also think, though, it works the other way, too. My life is a testimony to this. Too many men are putting off adulthood, okay? Putting off responsibility. You know, the first man is made. He is, he is not... He is, he, God makes Adam and says he is good. He has given Adam total control over his creation. And yet, God looks at the man and says what? He is good, but it is not good for the man to be alone. And the longer we as men live in adolescence, the more of our talent and ability that God gave us is wasted. Because the responsibility of having someone in your life, like a wife, that you have, you have assented, affirmatively assented to put her needs ahead of your own. Who does that sound like? Love knows no greater man than this than a man would lay down his life for his friends. Who, who, those words written about who? 
Christ. Lord. And whose image are we made in? His. Can we truly fulfill or understand what it is to fulfill that if we, now that doesn't have to be a wife. It, you could be a big brother if, if this isn't a season for you to get married. But the point I'm making is there's lots of ways to stop putting off perpetual adolescence. One of the best ways is marriage, is to have a perpetual force in your life, that, a reminder that you are not your own God. That there's something else or someone else that you can be living for. You can do that in missionary work. You can do that in the Peace Corps. You can do that in volunteer work. But the amount of men who will do that without having that, that reminder a wife provides of the call to grow up is really small, guys. Most men won't do it without that. They won't. Um, not to mention then being a father. I, I never go to that promise keepers if we don't have a kid. Never go. Bringing Anna home from the hospital broke me from the notion with the from the notion that I could have this all in control. So. The longer we put off, now I'm not saying hurry yourself into relationships you're not sure of. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying, though, is put off, put off the perpetual adolescence. Take on the mantle of adulthood. You know, I saw something fascinating this year coaching, and we're almost to the end of the season now, coaching my son's flag football team. And I won't, I don't want to, I'm not going to name any of the kids or anything, but there's a couple of these kids that came in and you could tell, and, and, and you know, just the typical issues of, I, I lack confidence. I've been told I have a disability, so I can't pay attention. And there are people who clinically have disabilities. My daughter clinically has a disability. She has to be treated for it. But, but we are in the business of telling uh, those with penises in our culture from age eight months to 88 what they can't do every day that's pretty much the business of america if you have a penis here's what you can't do here's what you can't become here's what you can't expect it to be we, we seemingly that's our that's that's our racket telling those with penises unless they want to become those with mammary glands they want to become a woman then we tell them they can be whatever they want short of guys wanting to become women though the habit we have in our culture is what george w bush used to eloquently describe as the bigotry of low expectations remember that phrase todd sure. all right so i took one of the young men on my team and i could tell you know he was kind of used to being a uh, you know kind of the the cool slacker kid and a really good arm And I went to him and I said, you're going to be the quarterback. That means it's on you to learn the place and you're in command. And I expect you to do it. And even more so, so do your teammates. So let me show you how. I handed him responsibility. It was amazing to watch what happened. I had a, there's another young man on my team. His dad came up to me before the season and said to me, hey, you know, he's got some attention deficit issues. If you could be patient with him, which I really appreciated the dad bringing that to my attention. I said, first of all, thanks for bringing that to my attention because now I'll treat him with a little extra grace knowing that there's more of a situation there than you, just your typical, you know, uh, you know, 11-year-old boy. 
But in and around that, during a game, you will hear me call his name a lot. And what I will say is your teammates are, are expecting you to, 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 to stay with your man, to not get lost, to not just let him run by you for a touchdown. Do not let your teammates down. Week or two ago, week or two ago his dad came up to me and said, I just, I can't thank you enough for doing that. Then I've got to thinking, you know, I maybe should try some of this stuff with my own kids. But, <laughs> okay. But what I've, and, I, and a buddy of mine who's helping me coach this team coaches um, high school at the biggest, at, at a big Christian high school here in our state. And he sees the same thing even with the, the boys that are on the precipice of manhood, even in the Christian homes. The only, they've not been told that they are expected to be men. And here is how you will meet that expectation they've either they've either not been told either or they've been told one or the other it has to be both so there's accountability with no grace or there's grace with no accountability it it has to be both the only way we learn responsibility men stay with me now is to have responsibility do you know of another way to learn responsibility don no no only way is to have responsibility. Now, I, I, I have been saying this to my wife the last few months, more so to convince myself than her, with a teenage girl who goes driving all throughout the, the central Iowa now. I keep telling, honey, it's like I always told you. You only learn responsibility with responsibility. And Amy's like, are you telling this to convince me or yourself? <laughs> uh, yes is the answer. All right? So it, it's so much easier when it's other people's kids than when it's your own. I get that. That's why, that's why, by the way, it's good to have them involved in sports and other things, too, so they hear other voices affirming what you want them to, the life, the life lessons you want them to learn, because they do tune us out. I get sick of saying the same things to my kids over and over again. How about you? I get sick of saying it. Yeah. It's good for them to be involved in things where others are reinforcing those things. But do not be afraid to put expectations on your boys. But do so in a way that's empowering. I know... I know you're going to do that. What was the story that Ed told us about his son? I know. The next time you come up, I know. I know you're going to do the job. I know you'll be good enough. I know you will. The amount of confidence they get from us, when I saw it early on in our firstborn, broke me. It blew me away how much she needed my approval. And it forced me to come to grips with my own sinfulness because I recognized I am probably not someone that anybody's approval should be sought after. But this child needs it like she needs oxygen to breathe. So, so by golly, I better be a man worthy of, of the amount of approval she needs from me. Do not hesitate to take on responsibility. Actively seek it. Not recklessly, but gamble on yourself. That you have talents, abilities, and skills that you were made with by your creator that were not meant to go to waste. Put yourself in uncomfortable, challenging situations where you essentially have to sink or swim. Now, when you have a family, be prudent. I have taken risks with my career. Yes, I once walked away from a job that paid me well without knowing what my next job was going to be. That's how I got into this arena. But I would not have left that job without investors who are willing to provide for my family during that interim period. Meaning, yeah, I gambled on myself, guys, but I didn't walk into a casino with my last paycheck and bet it all on black. I'm not a moron, okay? 
So yeah, I mean, still it could have it could have not worked a year or two down the line when the money ran out. But I didn't walk out of there with no re- no no understanding of how my family was going to be fed. I did not know how my career was going to continue. So I took a calculated risk that was not a guarantee, but it had a parachute to give me some time to figure out would the gamble pay off. Put yourself, do hard things, boys. And that's how we become men. All right, preview of today's television show. Todd, what do you want to preview with the audience, point them towards today? Very interesting uh, conversation uh, with George Barna. Hard to listen to at times. A good man there, but just yet another reminder, and we've had several of them this week, that people on air quotes, our side, are all over the map on what they think happened in 2016 and where we go from here. You've been talking about kids, Steve. You know when your kid is acting out and you know they're better than this because they've shown it time and time again, but in that moment, they just don't want to hear it. They're going to act out. They're going to deny the very truth that they've accepted many times before, even then they were a couple years younger. That's where we are as a culture right now. In so many ways, we are in this fog where we just can't be reasoned with, and I think it's going to make for some very hard lessons. Yeah, this is a day, and and really every day is, is the same way, that if you're... This is just a shameless plug, but I really do believe it. Uh, if you're missing the TV show and you're just getting the the free podcast, you're really missing out on the whole message. Because if it was just the uh, if it was just the the TV show that we did today, we would probably be all all be going home upset again about uh, <laughs> the course of of how things are progressing. Um, and if it was just the if it was just the podcast today, I think you know there would be some some meat on the bones. Maybe that was well, not saying that 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 was not meat on the bones, but it would just be lacking something. You really got to watch the TV show today. I mean, everything that we talked about, especially the conversation with George Barna, uh, you you, you got to check that out. And uh, Steve's opening monologue again echoing what Todd said there are just way too many conservatives who really aren't conservatives because when the rubber meets the road they're going to shrink and if you're wondering by the way along the lines of what Aaron was just saying hey where's my buy seller hold I look forward to every Thursday so we could have this conversation with Ed today that is actually on the TV show it's actually our round table we had a lot of fun with it by the way so in between hand ringing we actually did black humor gallows humor which is mm-hmm. kind of our spiritual gift here on the show so we had a few laughs while we were cutting ourselves at the exact same time and next week for buy sell and hold uh, it's going to be the top 28 fast food items <laughs> that uh did not really make it and we're going to uh we're going to do it on that that's uh, that's the controversial stuff by yep. the way that is when people really lose it is even more sober than the political stuff is I like that's why I like those topics. Those get really those, confrontational. Those are those are going to cut, start coming out in a little bit more frequency. That's going to do it though for us today. Hey, if you want to catch the show on CRTV promo code Dace, it'll be there today. CRTV.com for Todd, for Aaron, for Ed McGlasson. Thanks to all of you who tuned in today on iHeart, uh, iTunes, and Stitcher. Please subscribe. You leave us a positive review if you like the show. If you don't, don't leave any reviews because the negative one would hurt our feelings. Until tomorrow, John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.